0: Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figaretti, for this week's message. It is so good to be here. I am so fired up. Who was here last weekend? Anybody? All right. Oh, some of you, one or two of you. Hey, uh, if you missed last weekend, oh my goodness, we baptized 27 people. 44 people indicated they received Christ for the first time. We got to hear from Chris Dew, who we just love, and it was awesome. God is on the move in the Vineyard Church, and I am so excited to be a part of it. I'm so glad that you are a part of it as well. Uh, This week, as as Myron said, we're doing just a one sermon. It's not a series. It's just one sermon. Every once in a while we do that, uh, and it is called Man Up. So ladies... Do not check out on me. In fact, I think you're going to like this message a lot. My encouragement to you would be, don't rib the guy that you're sitting next to. Let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But uh, I expect to hear some amens from the ladies in, in in the congregation. And guys, listen up, because this is for you. We're having a crisis of masculinity in America. We really are. It's, it's, it's broken, and for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, and the outcome of that is pretty <laughs> devastating for our culture. A guy by the name of Norman Mailer said this, he's a, a, a playwright, author, other things. He, he said, because there is very little honor left in American life, there's a certain built-in tendency to destroy masculinity in American men. And I think we're seeing that as a culture, we're gender confused. And I don't mean like what we think of with the all the different gender types and all that. I mean, like we have there has been a concerted effort over the last thirty to fifty years to degenderize things. It's politically incorrect to talk about the differences between men and women, masculinity and femininity, and 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 in an attempt to kind of kind of blur those lines and just kind of say we're all the same I think we've lost some very important things and one of the things that we've lost or are in the process of losing is men and let me t- tell you and I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment but what I want to do now is just invite you guys to gather around the fire and let's have a conversation about what it means to be a man um And again, ladies, no elbowing, all right? You know, for thousands of years, certainly throughout Scripture, there's a recognition that there are differences between men and women. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, Paul writes these words. He says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all you do be done in love and I, you know, I, I think we could just camp out there for the entire message and just talk about being strong and acting like men and letting all we do be done in love. But that's not where we're going today. Proverbs thirty-one thirty says this charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so we can see throughout the scriptures going back thousands of years there. There are differences and there's differences need to be recognized, they need to be celebrated. But over the last 30 to 50 years, we've tried to degender things, degenderize. I made that word up, uh, and it's not working, and it's not working. Now, I know in a, in a, a congregation uh, like this that there are at least a handful of people going, oh, you're trying to push us back to the 1950s gender roles, and that is not what I'm doing. So please don't hear that. What I, what I am saying is that men without masculinity aren't men at all. They're boys. And women without femininity, they're not women. They're, they're girls. And, and in a lot, lot of ways, we have a culture that is a bunch of children, boys and girls, not men and women. Now, for the guys, because this, this man up is the, is the sermon, I'm not suggesting that men all have to have beards, obviously not. <laughs> I've been told that before, actually, but I don't believe that. I don't know, that. We don't all have to drive pickup trucks and be into sports and shoot things and all of that. That's Masculinity goes so much deeper than those externals, and it's going to look different everywhere. But real masculinity leads to real men and real manhood, and the lack thereof leads to what, sociologists and psychologists are calling extended adolescence, grown men who really in their mindset are boys and they're wreaking all kinds of havoc on our, on our world. And, and men and masculinity is being blamed for all the ills of society. You know, uh, you've heard the term toxic masculinity and, and that, that guys, if you watch media, it's always, it's always the the guys that are portrayed as, as the doofuses and the boobs. And, um, and I did use that word in context. I'm just saying, but the dads are always, you know, the, the kind of the, the, the goofball who doesn't know anything. And our world's messed up because of that. I really believe that. I think the world's crying out for men who will be men. And there are a lot of casualties of this, one of which is just isolation. Men were made to be in community with more than just our spouses. We were made to be in community with other men. We're, we're wired up that way. And yet if you do just a, a, just a surface level research on, on this, you will find study after study after study that says isolation among men is at epidemic levels. We've become very isolated We've, and, and we've lost our sense of purpose along the way as well. And, and, and it's not working for us, for us guys, and it's not working for the people who live around us. You know, men were made for community. We were made to be on a mission. And I think uh, over the years, I have spoken to a lot of guys who have gotten out of the service, and one of the consistent themes I hear over and over again is a longing for the sense of community, the sense of being known and knowing other people, willing to lay down your life for somebody else, and the sense of being on mission together. And they long for it. They long for it. And a lot of them will end up in, in you know, renegade outlaw biker gangs because that's the closest thing they can find to what they felt when they were in the service together. And that doesn't lead to good places. I mean, from my perspective, they should be finding that in church, but they're not. And that's something that we're going to have to fix in the days and years to come. Very intentionally. So what does it mean? How do, how do we do masculinity well? Guys, how can we man up and be men? Well, I want to look at the life of King David um, this morning, David was not a king when he started. He was a 14 year old boy, uh, but he was a man. You know, there are 14 year old men and there are 50 year old boys. <laughs> David had the mindset of a man. Uh, and uh, the prophet Samuel said this about, about David he said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse. Jesse was his father, a Be- the Bethlehemite. Who is skillful in playing? A man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. David was a Renaissance man. He didn't fit specific gender roles. It said he 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 played. What did it say specifically? It said skillful in playing. Do you know what he played? The harp. He played the harp. He was a poet. He wrote poetry. Most of the book, or a lot of the book of the Psalm, of Psalms in the Old Testament, which is a book of poetry and songs, was written by David. David was skillful in speech, and yet he was a warrior and a man of valor. Uh, he, he didn't fit into well. I'm the manly man kind of kind of box. He had he he kind of lived outside of that, and a lot of us do as well, and that's good. See. The difference between men and boys isn't, it isn't, you know, whether you're into sports or have a beard or whatever else it is. That's not it. The difference between a man and a boy isn't age or any other factor. It's a mindset. And that's what I want to unpack today. What is that mindset? Because even if you're a young man, you can live in that mindset you can live that way so let's unpack this i've been reading recently a book called um the five marks of a man and uh and so a lot of this material comes from that book and it's so good it's so so good so let's unpack this the first difference is this a man has a vision for his life a boy lives one day at a time A man has a vision for his life. A boy lives one day at a time. Let me ask you, what's your vision for your life? What's your purpose? What what are you here for besides entertaining yourself and being comfortable? What, What is the point? Samuel is the prophet of Israel in David's time. And God says to Samuel, look, the king, King Saul, who was the first king of Israel... He's disqualified himself to be king. And what I need you to do is I need you to go to this little town outside of Jerusalem called Bethlehem. And there's a guy there named Jesse. Jesse has some sons. I need you to pick one of his sons. I'll tell you which one. And I need you to anoint him the next king of Israel because Saul's disqualified. Now, this isn't something that's going to happen overnight. This is something that's going to happen over a period of years. But God wanted Samuel to anoint the next king now. And so he goes to Bethlehem and he meets Jesse. doesn't tell Jesse what's going on and says, I need to see your boys. And he's like, well, okay. So he brings his boys out and Samuel looks at the, the strongest Biggest young man, and he goes, That's got to be him. And God corrects him and says, You're looking at the outside appearances and not the heart. See, manhood isn't found in the outside ex- appearances, it's found in here. And so that's what got Israel in trouble with King Saul. He was the biggest and tallest guy, and so, well, oh, he should be king. And now Saul's being replaced. And he goes through all of David's sons that, that were there at the time. And, 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 and God's like, no, 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 no. And, and Samuel turns to Jesse and goes, are these are your sons? Well, he goes, well, I, I've got, a, I've got a, you know, a, a 14-year-old son out watching the sheep, but he's just a boy. And Samuel's like, bring him in. And it's David. And he walks in, and Samuel looks at David, and the Lord says, that's the one. That's the one. He's just a boy, but he's a man. And the Lord says to Samuel in Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. How awesome is that! I mean, talk about having a vision for your life. The national prophet of God shows up, pours oil over your head and says, you're going to be the next king of Israel. You've got a vision. Okay, I know what I need to do. How many people has that happened for? That's what I thought. Doesn't usually happen that way. see, our visions for our lives, if, if you're a prayerful person, if you spend time trying to hear God and listening and praying, what will happen over time is you're going to find that you're going to get ideas. You're going to see something that isn't there yet, and you're going to be like, you know what? Somebody needs to do that. Then you'll push the idea aside, and it'll come back. It's like, it's like, it's like a rubber band. You push it away, and it comes back. And it comes back clear, and then you push it away again, and it comes back a little bit clear, and until God just makes it clear that you're the person that's supposed to do something about that, or you're the person who's supposed to start that business, or start that ministry, or 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 reach out to guys, or whatever else it is that God would be calling you or giving you a vision to do. Right, and a vision is powerful. With a vision, you can you can say no to things that are good things but aren't the best things. You can build towards a preferred future. You can say yes to the right things. See, a vision's powerful. Now, here's what I will say. All of us do have a vision that was given to us by Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, he gathered his disciples together. He said, look, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go into all the earth. You're going to uh, make disciples of all people, and then you're going to baptize them when they come to uh, follow me, and then you're going to teach them everything that I have taught you. So Jesus said, look, this is kind of the universal purpose and vision for following." Followers of Jesus everywhere. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is part of it for you. Help people find and follow God. It's a mission statement of our church. It's the mission statement of your life as a, as a follower of Jesus. But usually for each one of us, there is something specific under that umbrella for us to do. Or maybe for some of us, some of us several things specific. And when you have that vision, it's powerful because you can't do everything. And you need to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. A vision enables you to live intentionally. A good vision. A bad vision will mess you up. If you go into a marriage and your vision for the marriage is he completes me and, and she's going to make me happy, that, that marriage probably isn't going to last too long because marriage can be really, really hard. I mean, it's it's totally worth it. But if your vision, I mean, doing premarital counseling, one of the the main things that try and communicate is, look, it's going to be hard and there will be periods where you'll be disillusioned in all of this thing, but you have to have a vision beyond just that person making you happy. And if you do and you're willing to fight for it and get to that place that's on the other side of the hard part, that you will be together for a very, very long time. But the problem is, is so many people today go into marriage with a vision of, well, they, they make me happy. And that's the whole vision, and that doesn't hold together very well. So having the right vision is so very important. For some of us, maybe God's given you the vision to start a business, to employ people, to, to make our community better. For others, maybe he's given you a vision to work with kids, and so you become a teacher, or you're volunteering with 180 student ministry, or maybe you've just had 15 kids yourself that you're trying to influence. God help you if you have 15 kids. I don't know how people do that. <laughs> Anyway, but if you have a vision, you can say no to good things and yes to the best things. You can delay gratification. You can build towards a preferred future. Men have a vision for their lives. Boys get up and just live day to day and bounce off of whatever seems to gratify them for that moment because boys don't know how to delay gratification. Boys will... When their favorite Netflix series comes out with the next season, we'll watch the whole thing in one sitting, all right? Like, ah, oh, 24 hours later, their eyes are all bloodshot. They're like, that was awesome. They'll order a pizza and eat the whole thing even though they only really needed to eat half of it because it tasted good, you know? And, and, and boys don't know how to delay gratification. Ladies, if you are single and dating a guy, who does not know how to delay gratification, dump his rear end right now, because he will break your heart. He does not have your best interest in mind, and he's not a man. (laughs) It's not going to work out well. And guys, if you don't know how to delay gratification, please don't hear me beating you up. I'm just pointing out the truth. I'm not mad at you. I want the best for you. So does God. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up from boyhood to manhood. And for so many of us, it's just the way our culture has gone, and we come along for the ride. And there are things inside of us that are going dormant, because we don't know what it is to be a man anymore. There's a, a, a race series that goes on around the country called Tough Mudder. Anybody familiar with Tough Mudder? Tough Mudder, is a, it's, a, it's a race that has this outrageously difficult obstacle course, and you run through the mud, and you carry logs, and you go over walls, and you do all this crazy stuff, and it's drawing guys like crazy. At the um, Tough Mudder race, event, race series events, it's 79% guys. Now contrast that with church, it's 30% guys. What's up with that? Again, something's broken. And I would say guys shouldn't be coming back from the military and going to biker gangs to find community and purpose. They should be coming to church. And that's something we are going to work on fixing together. And it might become uncomfortable along the way. I need you to be with me on that one. We have to fix that. The, C- or the CCO, the chief creative officer of Tough Mutter said this. He said, we don't really know if we're tough anymore. We don't have fistfights. We don't chop wood. Life has become convenient and easy. At Tough Mudder, we get a lot of what we call the fight club male, the 25 to 40-year-old guy in a white-collar job who hasn't been scared, hasn't been wet, hasn't been muddy. And he wants to test himself to see what he's made of, if he's a man, to prove that even though he's 38 years old and has a roller bag and a door on his minivan that closes by itself, (laughs) he still has this inner badass. And yes, I said that in context. It's a quote. I'm allowed to do that. It's this visceral sense of accomplishment that handling the second quarter report doesn't give you. This is going dormant inside of us. We're girly men. (laughs) We're boys. This is part of why we're doing man camp here in a couple weeks. We're going to do an event on the weekend of September 27th to the 29th. And if you're a guy, I want you to be there. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a blast. We're going to blow stuff up and throw tomahawks and all kinds of stuff. It's going to be awesome. We're going to sleep on the ground. It's going to be awesome. And even if you're not a sleep on the ground camping kind of, kind of guy, you need to be there because this is going dormant within us and when we we do those things and when we get in those environments when we get around the campfire man magic things happen and I believe God is calling us up as a church not just men but as a church to lead this community to bring hope to this community and guys we have to man up we can no longer be boys we must be men and and Even if you've been a boy to this point, it's not too late for you. There is hope. There is healing. There is purpose. And there is community. And so you can sign up for Man Camp. It's 50 bucks. And you can sign up on the app. You can sign up on the website. We have computers in the lobby. If you want to stop out, you can sign up on your way out today. But sign up and plan on going you're going to be put with a group of about eight to 10 guys, and you're going to have quite an experience over, the, over that weekend. So, man camp, because God's calling us to be men. Second thing, second difference, a man works, a boy plays. On Saturday morning, a man wakes up and thinks, how can I make this place better? A boy wakes up and, th- and thinks, how can I entertain myself? What show can I watch? Which video game can I play? What can I do to entertain myself? Men are constantly thinking, how can I bring value to the world around me? How can I improve things? Men think what needs to get done. Boys, boys, on the other hand, think, how can I get to a 30 hour work week? That would be great. 40 hours is just too much. How can I get to a 30-hour work week? How can I do less? How can we get more holidays? Man, if I can just retire early and do nothing, that would be awesome. Listen to me. I'm all about retiring. If you can retire early and you want to do that, retire early. But if you're just sitting around doing nothing and you don't have purpose, you're going to self-destruct. Get busy making this world a better place. Men show up for work. Boys play. Men long to bring value to our world. Boys are okay with perpetual self-entertainment. David, he's still a very young man. He's, his brothers all go off to war. And his dad calls him and says, hey, your brothers need some supplies and rations, so I need you to go to the front lines and take all this food to them. And so he does, and he gets to the front lines, and the Israelites are fighting. King Saul still king. Uh, the Israelites are fighting the Philistine army, and he gets there, and he finds his brothers and all the other men of Israel hiding in tents, afraid. And he's like, what's going on? This doesn't look like a war to me. And they're like, well, you know, the, the Philistines, they got this warrior and he is huge. He's like three feet taller than all of us. And he is massive. And he's changing the, 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 the rules of war. He, he's, he's called us out and said, look, let's not fight this like a regular war. You put your best man against me. and Winner takes all. And nobody in Israel is willing to fight this guy named Goliath. And they're all hiding in their tents. And David shows up. And he's like, well, the heck with that. I'll fight him. David shows up for work. Well, they try and talk him out of it. He goes to King Saul. King Saul is like, who are you? You're just, a, you know, you're 15, 16 years old. There's no way you could. David's like, listen, I'll take the giant. And he says this. It's 1 Samuel seventeen thirty four. but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and it took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he ro- arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine, which, by the way, that's an insult, this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David goes out, and David knows, because David has taken down bears and lions with his little slingshot Sling thing, And he knows if he can land a, a rock in the right spot, it will take down a giant or anybody else. And, but he's going to fight his way, and it's going to be different than what everybody else is expecting. And he goes in, and he takes out Goliath, and he wins the day. Now, for most of us guys, 21st century guys, we look at that and think, I'd be hiding in the tent, <laughs> right? Because you have no idea how capable you are. You are more capable than you would ever think. The, the, the male body guys, we, we are capable of things that... Just talk to some CrossFit guys for a while. They'll tell you, I didn't think I could do that. These guys are nuts. <laughs> Love it. You know, we have historical records of the armies of Rome. Nero's armies, they would, they would, they would march for seven days straight, 50 miles a day with a 100-pound pack on their back. That's what the male body is capable of. Now, in 2019, you know, we sit at our desks and we think, oh, I'm so tired. I'm looking at this screen, it's so hard. And that's the reality of our world. <laughs> but you're capable of so much more than you think. You really are. And you were made to work. You were made in the image of God. Jesus in John 5, 17 says, My father is working until now, and I am working. You were made in his image. You were made to work. When God made the first man, he put him in a garden and put him to work. And it was pleasing. And it was good. And it's wired into every one of us to make this world a better place, to bring value to our families, to our communities, and to our world. A man works, boy plays. Three, a man works for the team, a boy plays for his own glory. A man works for the team, a boy plays for his own glory. There's a movie came out, uh, I think Disney put it out several years ago, called Miracle. It was based on the, the story of the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team if you know that story at all, uh, the Russians in 1980 had the best hockey team on the planet, five times better than the, the next closest team. I mean, they were, they were ridiculously good. And here's why. In 1980, the rules of Olympic sports was you had to be an amateur to play. Well, in the U.S., all of our professional players went on to play professionally and could not play. In Russia, they didn't have professional sports, so all the people who would go on to be professional players just ended up playing perpetually for their Olympic team, and they were so good. And anybody that you would have talked to at that point in time would say it'd just be a miracle if anybody ever beat them. And they hired this guy named Herb Brooks to lead the U.S. Olympic hockey team. And he got a bunch of college students together. He ended up eliminating in the tryouts the superstars, the, the very best of them. And he got a lot of grief for that. Like, how are we going to beat the Russians if we don't have our best players? And he's like, you're never going to beat the Russians with your best players if they don't know how to play as a team. And he got rid of the guys that he knew he couldn't teach to play as a team, the guys that would play for their own glory. And he got the B players, and he taught them how to play as a team. And he pushed them further than they thought they could go. And at the end of the day, they beat the Russians in the Olympics, and it was a miracle. And if you were alive, I mean, all the, the hair standing up on your, uh, your arms right now because it was amazing. It was unbelievable. Guys, as a team, there's nothing we can't do when we're all playing for our own glory, there's very little that will get done. A man works for the team, a boy plays for his own glory. Jesus played in a team. He put together the disciples, right? He got 12 guys. He didn't need those guys. He chose to. He's part of a team, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Maybe you heard of them, the Trinity. He does life in team. It's wired into who we are. And yet, in this day and age, we are trending more and more towards isolation, personal glory, doing our own thing. And we're disconnected from from fellowship and community. Men know how to play well with others. David ends up succeeding... um, King Saul. Saul's removed. David becomes king. David is a man of valor. He is a man of, uh, of teamwork. He's got the, his mighty men and he is loyal to them and they are loyal to him and he's doing really, really well. He's a man after God's own heart. And then he relapses into boyhood. He has this, this thing that happens and that happens sometimes. Sometimes men make stupid decisions and we get alone. And when we get alone, we're very vulnerable to do stupid stuff. And that's what David does. In 2 Samuel 11, it says, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle. So, so what would happen is over the winter months, the, um, the surrounding people groups and tribes would encroach on the land of Israel. And in the spring, when things dried out and they could get the armies out, they would come out and they would push them back out of their their land. And, and and David would lead them. He was their warrior king and he would lead. He had this team of mighty men. and He had the army and he would be at the front leading the army. He was part of that team. But this year, this year, he decides to hang back and play. It says it says in the spring of the year the time when kings go out to battle David sent Joab rather than going himself and his servants with him and all Israel the whole army of Israel and they all ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabaha but David remained at Jerusalem David hung back I'm going to take it easy I'm kind of kind of tired and I don't really feel like going out with the guys right now so I'm just going to hang back and he's hanging back eating grapes and doing whatever kings did and hanging out on the roof of the palace and as he's looking out over the over the city of Jerusalem he spots a woman who's taking a bath Uh uh-oh what are you looking that way for David and he's like I would really like to get to know her better and he sends for her turns out she's the wife of one of his mighty men and he uses his power as king to have his way with her. And he impregnates her. And he ends up, in the long run, having to have her husband. He didn't have to. He chose to. He's just going down a road as stupid. Has her husband killed to cover over the affair. And David's life starts to unravel. I mean, it makes... An unbelievable mess. It rains down pain on everyone who is close to him. It rains down pain in his life. And because he's king, it rains down pain on the entire nation. Things just start to to unravel. It is a bad deal. Guys, see, men without purpose and men without a team, men without guys around them, we are in dangerous territory. We're designed to need those things, and life runs better when we have those things. It's kind of like a pickup truck. You know, a pickup truck is designed to carry a load. You can ride it down the road without a load, but it's kind of stiff in the back end and bounces around, but you put a load in it and that thing is nice and smooth. Men are designed to have a team. We're designed to have guys in our lives. And we are designed to be on a mission to have a purpose and a vision. And if we don't, we tend to find our way into mischief. And when we do, it gets ugly, not just for us, but for the people that we love. And yet we live in a day and age where society and technology everything else is pushing us towards isolation and away from those things. You know, by the age of 21, the average man will have played about 10,000 hours of video games, will have watched, I don't know how many hours of YouTube videos and, and, and other media. And it's just like all this time alone. And... We're just entertained, so we don't need, you know, we feel like we don't need those relationships, but we do. By the, the average 18-year-old male today watches about 50 porn clips a day. I don't know how you have time for friendship or anything else if that's what you're into. And it's just broken. And so we find ourselves in mischief. We find ourselves doing things that rain down destruction on our our hearts, in our minds, in our relationships. You need a team. You need a team. Four, a man is a protector and a boy is a predator a boy is a predator now i know in a room with this many people in it there are many of us who have been violated by a boy not a man the average, the uh, latest research tells us that one in 4 college girls will be raped during their time at college, there are a lot of boys out there doing a lot of bad things, hurting people deeply. And, and for you, you're sitting here and you heard the sermon title this morning and you're like, man up, really? Oh. And this is so hard for you because you have been so deeply wounded. And I am so sorry. On behalf of men everywhere, I'm sorry that that boy did what he did to you. He shouldn't have done it. And the pain is real. And my prayer is that God, as you learn to find and follow him, that he will heal those broken places in your heart. But it's not a man issue. It's a boy issue. Men are protectors. Boys are predators. The reason David was made king is he was a protector. He protected God's honor. He protected the people of Israel. When he, when he, at the end of his life when he got back on track, he, he protected the future of Israel by, by getting all the resources together to build the temple and make that happen after he was gone. He protected. He was a protector. But when he was acting like a boy, he was a predator. And he created all kinds of ugly. And it's ugly today, too when we end up there. Men are protectors. Boys are predators. Gentlemen, if you're not married and you're having sex with somebody, which is just perfectly normal in our culture, I mean, it's considered normal in our culture, stop it. Stop it you're like why well because men are protectors and chances are you probably won't have met marrying whoever you're with you might but there's a big chance that you won't and you need to protect her marriage See, sex is more than just a consensual physical act between two people. There is a biochemical reaction that goes on that is so complicated, so far beyond our understanding. But we understand a little bit of it and it bonds people together in a way that I would call spiritual, certainly emotional. And everybody that you're with and the more that you're with them, you take them living between your ears, you take them into the next relationship and the next relationship, and eventually when she settles down and she gets married, you're in her bed with her. And lack of purity now leads to intimacy issues later. And if you're a protector, you need to protect her future marriage. You need to show her that you can delay gratification. And for crying out loud, you need to protect your future marriage. You do, because she's going with you between your ears into your marriage. Protect your future wife. Honor her. Boys can't even begin to understand delayed gratification. They just want what they want. They want it now. Men live for something bigger. You know, I want to be a protector. I want to protect my family by living a life that that my kids can look up to, to being a role model, that they would look at my life and say, gee, dad's a little weird, but that's who I want to be when I grow up. I want to protect my family by providing for them financially, by setting godly boundaries around their lives, giving them the freedom that they need to grow and spread their wings, and yet at the same time be able to say, look, this is as far as we go, and here's why. I want to protect my friends by being honest with them. Let them know when when they're doing stupid, you know, like, that doesn't end well. That's kind of dumb. Be that kind of friend because I care about them and not just try and keep the peace and, and be able to encourage them and speak life into them when they're, when they're getting attacked from around, from around them and they're doing the right thing. I want to be able to protect their hearts and speak encouragement into their lives. I want to be able to help them in practical ways. I want to protect my friends. I want to protect my family. I want to protect my church. When people start talking negatively and spreading rumors and lies to be able to say, not here. Not here not here we don't do that here i want to be able to protect my church by making sure it is vibrant and healthy and able to do all that god has called us to do and so i give sacrificially to my church as a way to protect the church because god has called us to be the difference in this community men we're different we're different We stick up for the vulnerable. We help people in practical ways. We think bigger than just ourselves. Last point, men take a stand. Boys go with the crowd. Men take a stand. Boys go with the crowd. Boys ask, well, uh, who's going to the party? What will they be wearing? Well, they don't really ask that. Girls ask that, but... (laughs) You going to the dance? I don't know. Are there going to be enough people? Is it going to be cool is it not going to be cool and they just don't want to stand out? They just want to want to and they care what everybody else thinks. Men don't mind standing up and not going with the flow. Men are fine being different. You know, they're not going around go, "You going to man camp? Are you going to man camp?" I don't know. I might not go to man. Camp. Who cares? Do the right thing. I'm totally fine being weird. You know, when you look at, at, at the life of a follower of Jesus, the moral code that we live by is weird compared to the world around us. It is. It just is. And I'm fine with that. I'm not li- living to please a bunch of boys. I'm living to please God. David, at one point, when he is king, he married Saul's daughter, Michael, and, uh, and they had gone out to battle, and they have this thing called the Ark of the Covenant, which is a box that has the Ten Commandments in it and some other artifacts, but uh, it's kind of the center of their religious life, and, uh, and, and they would take it into battle as a good luck charm, you know, kind of like take it out, and, and God at one point had given them victory with it, and so they take it out, and it got captured by their enemies and it was gone for a while well they recaptured it and they're bringing it back into town and david is like oh my goodness the ark's back it doesn't bother to put on all his kingly robes and all that he goes out in the equivalent of his underwear and starts dancing before the ark of the covenant celebrating that it's back and having a grand time And he doesn't care what anybody thinks, but Michael, his wife, is mortified, humiliated. It's not, it's undignified. What What are people gonna think? The king, you can't do that, David. And David fires back. He gets a little sassy, actually. In 2 Samuel 6, 21, it says, and David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father, and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel the people of the Lord and I will celebrate before the Lord I'll make myself yet more contemptible than this another translation says more undignified than this and I will be abased in your eyes I don't care what you think Michael all I care about right now is what God thinks guys this is where we need to get to I mean not dancing in our underwear in church don't do that but to that place where I don't care what the people around me think. I'm gonna, I'm living to please him. And it's gonna look different, it's gonna be a little weird, in a good way. And in the short run, you'll look unusual, but in the long run, those same people will look at your life and go, I want to be like you. They're gonna look up to you, because you're living for something bigger and you've tapped into something that the rest of our world is missing. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, 11 said, "'When I was a child, I spoke like a child, "'I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. "'When I became a man, I gave up childish ways.'" Today, I think it should read like this. "'When I was a boy, I spoke like a boy, "'I thought like a boy, I reasoned like a boy.'" When I became a man, I gave up boyish ways. Guys, up here, there's some teenagers, teenage boys. But in your mindset, you are a man. You've chosen to live different. Maybe to the point, in some ways, it's cost you socially. Keep going. It is so worth it. You will save yourself so much heartache. And you will be a light to this world. And if you lean in, you'll find your people, you'll find your team. And we need you, the world needs you. Way to go. Keep going. And to the 50-year-old boys in the congregation, I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. It's time to man up. It is time to leave boyish ways behind. And God will forgive and God will redeem and God will do all the things that God does in our lives because of the cross of Christ and because of his love for us. But you can't keep going down the boy road. It's time to man up. Because your family needs you. Your community needs you. Your church needs you. This world needs you to be a man. And you were made for more. You were. So here's my invitation. Sign up for Man Camp two weeks. We're going to dive into in a lot more depth than we can in a short sermon or a long sermon, but a lot more depth over that weekend. And it's going to be, it's going to be amazing. Sign up for man camp and be there. Second thing that I would challenge every man to do is find a group of guys. We've got one men's group. Well, no, we got two men's groups. One's a single dad's group and one's a men's group. It's pretty full. We need more. Maybe, maybe what God's vision is for you is he's calling you to lead a men's group because we need communities of guys all over the the Ohio Valley. And if that's you and that's resonating with you, stop out in the lobby and talk to Mike. He's our group coordinator. He'll be out there. And we'll begin that conversation. And in the meantime, wives, girlfriends, don't be needy, don't be clingy. Send them, encourage them, let them go. Because there's something inside of every one of us, guys, that needs to be a man. And we need you behind us, encouraging us in that direction, because it's hard in 2019 let's pray lord i pray that you would do a work in each one of our lives that only you can do i pray that you would enable us to man up god that you would put in each man within the sound of my voice the courage to take steps to take action to get off the couch Lord, to be light in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. In addition to these podcasts, please come visit us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling Sunday mornings at 930 and 1115 and experience these encouraging messages, some incredible music and so much more in person. We would love to meet you again. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.